Dear Father in heaven, we are grateful to be here. We're grateful for your work in our lives. We're grateful that in the morning is a special time to connect with you and um, to be ready to face the day. Thank you, Father, for the many blessings that you pour out on us and for your desire to teach us and instruct us and to bless us in every way. Please, Father, this morning, um, I don't have the ability to communicate well, but you do. And so I pray that um, through me, you will communicate what you want to be said and um, that it will bless everyone here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I kind of titled this morning what I'm presenting, Beyond Deist Farming. It's kind of a strange title, but um, what is the definition of a deist? We kind of are familiar with what a deist is from William Miller, who was a deist. And uh, it's basically the belief that God has created the universe, but remains apart from it and permits his creation to administer itself through natural laws. And, you know, as I've thought about it, that it's very easy for us to approach our farming um, endeavors as a deist. Because a deist basically just works with the laws that God set in motion and, and created. And we are to study those laws. We are to be very intelligent. In fact, in the book Education, um, we can't have success unless we pay attention to the laws that are involved and that compliance with the laws governing each is the condition of success. So it's very important that we understand and we work with those. But does it just stop there? Is, it, is that all there is to it? Does God have more that he wants to do um, that goes beyond just the scientific realm? So there is a movement out there and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But is there a supernatural dimension or a dynamic to agriculture that um, most people are not aware of? There is out in the world, there's a practice called uh, biodynamic farming. How many of you have heard of that before? A few of you? Well, quite a few of you. And um, it's very interesting. I, I didn't know a lot about it. I'd watched a few presentations on it and, and um, kind of seemed like there was something strange about it. I didn't really know what it was, but it didn't, didn't all add up to me. And so I did a little research into it. And as I um, became a, you know, knowledgeable about what uh, it was all about, it's really really amazing that it's, I believe it's a counterfeit to what God really wants to do through his people. And so biodynamic agriculture is a form of alternative agriculture very similar to organic farming, but it includes various esoteric concepts drawn from the ideas of Rudolf Steiner. And he initially developed it in 1924, and it was for the it was the first of the organic agricultural movements. It treats soil fertility, plant growth, and livestock care as ecologically interrelated tasks, emphasizing spiritual and mystical perspectives. Biodynamic agriculture lacks strong scientific evidence for its efficacy and has been labeled a pseudoscience because of its over-reliance upon esoteric knowledge and mystical beliefs. I don't know if you've uh, heard of some of the things. One of the presentations that I heard from a, there's a school in New Zealand that teaches agriculture and it's biodynamic based. And um, 
part of their pest control was to, if you have a, a, you know, an animal that's eating on your crop, you take a male and you sacrifice it and burn it down to ashes and take those ashes and sprinkle it over your field and then the pests won't come. And you think, well, how on earth does that work? So there's a lot of real strange stuff that goes along with it. And that's just, you know, a small part of it. So where did Rudolf Steiner get his information? By the late 1860s, Rudolf Steiner had seen his first ghost. Many years later, he revealed that as a kindergarten-age boy, a female specter appeared to him in the waiting room of a railway station. He claimed one of his father's female relatives had killed herself on that very same day. From this moment on, Steiner believed he was able to communicate with the spiritual realm, where not only external trees or external mountains speak to the human soul, but also the beings that live behind them. Later in life, he would not surprisingly urge his followers to read to the dead. So the biodynamic system was essentially delivered whole in 1924, and Rudolf Steiner, a self-professed clairvoyant and occult philosopher from Austria, who conceived of biodynamics during his telepathic visits to the realm of the spirits, he claimed existed behind our material world. Today, if you go online and you, you uh, Google biodynamics, you will find that there are products available. This is one of them. Um, and notice that it says on the bottom of the bag, made from an untapped source of power and majesty. And um, in California, there's quite a movement into biodynamics. Um, in fact, it's all around the world. Not only was Rudolf Steiner a proponent of biodynamic agriculture, but he initiated a large educational system. Um, the first Wardorf school opened in 1919 in St uh, Stuttgart, Germany, and a century later the, the number has grown to 1,150 independent Wardorf schools, 1,800 kindergartens and 646 centers for special education located in 75 countries. There are also a number of Waldorf-based public schools, charter schools and academies and homeschooling environments. And comparing that with our Adventist movement, they claim they're the largest independent educational system in the world, uh, but apparently we operate 8,500 schools in over 100 uh, countries in comparison. So could it be that Steiner's message and system is a counterfeit of God's message about true education? I believe that it is. And it's very fascinating to me that as you look at the very timing of when it came into existence, that what was happening in the Adventist church at that time? The Adventist church was going through educational reform. Our schools were starting to bring agriculture and industry and, and, and more Bible and, and so on. And so there was a, um, uh, a reformation that was happening. And the power of that reformation was so much that I believe the devil was trembling in his boots. And so what did he do? He raised up a counterfeit movement, just like the Counter-Reformation, um, you know, back in Martin Luther's time, to try to stop the influence and uh, to divert those who would be interested in the true into something that was, uh, was false. So where might the fallen angels who Steiner communicated with have gotten their knowledge of agriculture? This is really fascinating. In the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 50, we're told that the angels were the husbandmen who under God educated Adam and Eve to cultivate the soil. 
and to care for the fruit trees provided in great variety for the use of mankind. So where did that take place? It took place in the Garden of Eden, right? And so they were taught, Adam and Eve were taught by angels how to cultivate the soil, how to farm. And um, we're told also that Adam had themes for contemplation in the works of God in Eden, which was heaven in miniature. So they were teaching Adam and Eve in Eden how to cultivate the soil. Where did they do it? They probably did it in heaven because Eden was a little miniature of heaven. And, you know, Ellen White and her visions, um, and when she was shown, you know, was taken to heaven and she saw the temple and so forth, she saw fruit trees growing there. So heaven is a real place that has real soil, that has real, just like, not, well, better than this earth, but um, it's not some kind of spiritual realm where um, these things don't exist. And so the knowledge, I believe, that the angels had of agriculture was from heaven. And so these fallen angels, I believe, must have had that knowledge um, from their time in heaven before they were banished from that place. So what is the difference between the counterfeit and the genuine? Both methods have been communicated through spiritual means. In the laws that God, which God gave for the cultivation of the soil, we're told in the Spirit of Prophecy, He was giving the people opportunity to overcome their selfishness and become heavenly minded. So there is a a redemptive dynamic to the true that the counterfeit does not have. So God had a dual purpose in teaching agriculture, agricultural practices. It was part of a um, life transforming experience. And if these laws were followed, what would be the results? Adam and Eve lost Eden and because of their sin, the land was cursed. Yet if God's people obeyed his requirements and followed his directions in regard to tilling the soil, the land would be brought back to a prosperous and beautiful condition. Men were to cooperate with God in restoring the diseased land to health, that it might be a praise and glory to his name. And as the land they possessed would, if managed with skill and earnestness, produce its treasures, so their hearts, if controlled by God, would reflect his character." And I believe that's the key component, you know, that the purpose of education, the purpose of our Christian experience is to reproduce the character of God in us. And so agriculture provides a means for that to happen. And I believe that's where the genuine shines out above the counterfeit. So what are these laws that have a dual result? Well, Time does not allow to go through all of the biblical laws, but there are some key ones that I think that are very relevant as we think about our agricultural endeavors. In Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22, it says, When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So why did he say, the Lord say he will bless you in all the work of your hands? If you leave something for the poor and the stranger, 
So in other words, you, you, you care for others in your work and those who are less fortunate. And so um, there's one of the laws that would change the heart because naturally we're selfish and we want to hoard things to ourselves and God wants to change that. In Exodus 34:21, six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. And so in the Sabbath, in keeping of the Sabbath, we actually have time to spend with our Creator to get to know Him so that we can reflect His character. If we just work, and, and agriculture is so demanding that we would work seven days a week like a lot of farmers do, just because the work never ends. It's always there. But God wants us to stop to pause, to have that time with Him, and to get to know Him so that we can know how to cooperate with Him, learn His, his ways, His laws, His redemptive plan, and be able to reflect His character. So the Sabbath is a tremendous blessing, I believe, for our agricultural um, endeavors. I think what it does is it, it creates a trust in us because sometimes you think, if I stop work, if I keep the Sabbath, if I don't do what needs to be done, something's going to happen. Something's going to die, some, you know, and, um, and yet the Lord never lets us down. Deuteronomy 14.22, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. So the support of the ministry through tithe and offerings is another way that we, through our agricultural endeavors, that we are entering into the work of God and what's dear to his heart. And that's one of the agricultural laws. In Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11, it says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren with any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become a sin among you. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because, this is key, for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all, and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy in your land. So isn't there a direct correlation if we um, do what the Lord has said here in taking care of those who are needy and poor? that he will bless. In fact, will he bless beyond what we think we're going to lose? You know, the proverb says, um, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay. So the Lord is faithful in doing that very thing. And I've, I've been blown away by how he does that. One short experience, I've got to keep a track on time, but I think I've got enough time to share. Um, one of the things that, that we did on our farm is... Um, we had a lot of seconds, and for those of you who farm, you know seconds are hard to, you can't sell them. We're conditioned in this country that everything needs to look picture perfect, and, and so no outlet, retail outlet, wants to buy uh, an ugly looking second. And so, uh, unfortunately, 
50% of what is grown, I, I believe, is, is just wasted and, and tilled into the soil. And, and, um, and yet there are needy people around. And so um, I, you know, in, in, in my thinking initially, I was trying to find markets for it because there's such a large volume. And the Lord impressed me that we need to be giving to the poor. I called food banks and we started giving to all the food banks and uh, giving to the staff at Weimar and, and anybody who could use it. And we still had plenty left over. And um, this last year, the Lord really blessed because without me even looking, um, I had a, someone contact me and ask for uh, if they could buy seconds. And it was a deli, quite a large deli at a co-op. And um, over the course of the season, they bought $12,000 worth of seconds. Just blew me away, you know. And um, so the Lord is really faithful in blessing when we work with Him to, to meet the needs of others. In Leviticus 25, verses 2 through 4, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the Lord, a Sabbath to the Lord. This last year, uh, we kept, we rested the land as a uh, sabbatical. And um, while we could have rested portions of the land, and Alan White actually talks about at school farms that that can be done, rest portions of it. Um, God's intention for the farmer was to give him rest and, and, and have time for recreation, time for education and time for um, mission work. And I thought, you know, that's really, God's design is really good because it's easy to get burnt out. You know, you do hard work over and over, you know, year after year. It's easy to get tired of it, but in God's plan and His design, you don't get burnt out. You have a break and then you come back with enthusiasm to get back into it. So I thought, that's really cool. And I want to also get involved in mission work. I, there's a lot more I need to learn. So education sounds good to me. And a, a little bit of uh, recreation sounds good. So this last year was absolutely phenomenal because um, the year before, the sixth year, the Lord said, you know, if, if you think, what, you know, how am I going to support myself through the seventh year, he said, I will bless the sixth year. And um, so we had been, uh, if I was to show you a graph of our you know, farm income over um, quite a few years, it's been very even. It hasn't really you know, gone up and down much. And, uh, but in the sixth year, um, our income jumped up from the farm by about 50%. And it wasn't any planning. The crops were yielding far more than they had in the, in the previous years. And I was blown away by that because I thought the sixth year, you need to rest the land because it's tired. Therefore, it should produce less. But just like the manna in the wilderness for the, for the uh, children of Israel, God gave them extra in the sixth day to carry them through the Sabbath. And so um, that was a blessing. And then through other... Um, work and income through the off season, the Lord gave me extra work there. And so when I was doing my taxes um, and looked at the amount of money I had to pay tax on it, it was exactly double of what, the, um, what my income had been 
pretty, you know, pretty static through the previous years. I was absolutely blown away by that. And so the Lord provided the means whereby through this last year, um, we were able to um, have the year off and do the things that God had intended. So I really feel blessed to have had that experience. I was able to travel to Africa and get involved in some mission work there. Um, and the year has gone by so fast, it's incredible. I thought, man, it's gonna be a long time and I was eager to get back into agriculture again, but it has flown by. And um, so I'm really, really grateful for the experience. And um, I believe God still will bless anyone um, who follows these laws, even though I've had people say to me, isn't that like keeping the feast days? Well, no, I don't think so. I think it's in the category, when we do the things that God has said, how to farm, how to uh, follow these laws, that um, it's similar to health laws. There are health laws in the Old Testament, you know, are for our good. And God knows how to look after the health of the soil and resting the land is part of looking after the health of the soil. Um, uh, on Sunday before I came here, I took my soil probe to take some soil samples to send off to get the results. And um, normally when I take the probe and push it into the soil, you know, I have to push it a little bit and it goes down maybe four, six inches into the soil and I take that sample out. This time when I put the probe into this land that had been rested, I just had a cover crop over it. I, I didn't hardly have to put any weight on the probe and it sunk down to about eight inches and you know without any effort it was amazing so I know the soil is really improved by that rest and I believe that there's a there's great value in that notice what it says here in this uh, quote from the spirit of prophecy it says you are not working alone when you attempted to become discouraged remember this angels of God are right around you they will minister to the very earth, causing it to give forth its treasures. This is the instruction I am trying to give our people. I want them to understand what could be accomplished if they would work the will of the Lord. It is the Lord who has given the instruction. Let us follow his directions. And this was at the Hillcrest School that Ellen White was, was very supportive of and, and uh, they were really trying to follow God's plan which included agriculture. And she says here, and the Lord will help you in making this effort, not merely because of the good that may be accomplished in the school, but because of the many others who need the experience you are having. The work you do here may result in the salvation of hundreds of souls. And so I believe that as we work with God, as we follow his laws for agriculture that go way beyond just the science, just the deist approach to agriculture, that God has tremendous blessings, not just for us, but in reaching others through the experience he gives us. And they see the genuine, the superior way of agriculture, not the counterfeit. And people will glorify God through it. We're told we each have a work to do for God, whatever may be our occupation. Those who are on their farms are not to think that it would be a waste of time for them to plan to go out and visit their neighbors and hold up before them the light of the truth for this time. For even if it does seem difficult to leave the farm work, yet we shall not lose what? financially because of spending time and helping others. Now that's the temptation we have. We're so busy. The farm work is ongoing and, and it seems like if we stop, something is going to fail. 
but there is a God in heaven that will bless our labors. Short experience that just really underscored this for me. There's, uh, there was an opportunity for me to go and visit a man. It was a, it was a doctor who was uh, in jail. And um, the circumstances were that I could only visit him on Sunday. And there was a set time and everything that I could visit him. And Sunday, I didn't have my normal work crew, but I still had to harvest for delivery on Monday. And so Sunday would be a very busy day. In fact, after Sabbath on Saturday night, I'd go out, harvest in the dark with a light, and then get up early in the morning and work all day on Sunday till dark to, you know, to get the work done. But I knew that the Lord wanted me to go and visit this man. Um, and I'd never met him. I'd only talked to him on the phone. And it's too, there's too many details to tell you all the, uh, you know, the, the whole story. But um, I thought, how on earth am I going to get everything done? So I just said, Lord, I know you want me to do this. Um, I don't know where the help's going to come from. I'm just going to trust that you will, you will help me get this done. So I went and visited him. I went to visit him. And actually, the first time, I had to drive an hour to get there. An hour back, I lost half a day, four hours. And, um, but when I got there, I ended up not being able to see him that Sunday because they only allow one visitor. And so he already had a visitor, so I had to go back the next Sunday. And um, so I lost two half Sundays. But on each of those days, I don't know how the Lord did it, but we got all the harvesting done and there was no loss. It just blows me away how the Lord does that because, humanly speaking, I could not see any way for that to happen. And, um, and the Lord really blessed in visiting this man and, and um, talking to him about the Lord and his need and how the Lord could help him in his circumstances. So I believe these laws are there not just because God wants us to work with him, to reach others and then we will suffer loss. He says we won't suffer loss. We will be blessed. And that has been my experience and I'm so grateful that God wants us to rejoice in Him, rejoice in the work and not feel like it's a burden. And uh, so may God bless each of you in your endeavors as you follow Him in this. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are so wise and in the spiritual realm, you work beyond what we can see, but you bless in ways that we can't comprehend. And thank you for giving us laws that are so much more superior than any other practice there is on this earth. Thank you that there is a God in heaven who loves us and works with us. And thank you that you are fitting us for heaven so that we can live for eternity with you. And the angels we will see physically with our eyes and you will teach us better methods of agriculture than we know here. And we are excited to learn about them. And so, Father, now, as we live out the rest of our time before Jesus comes, may we learn to trust you more and more when, when it seems, humanly speaking, that we um, can't see a way to obey you um, and that it will cause us loss. Give us the faith that it takes to, to trust you, that you will never fail in doing what you've promised. And then as a result of that, the excitement that comes from, from seeing your, your hand at work, may it be contagious to others. And may through your true form of um, education and agriculture, may it rise to its prominent position that you designed it should be in this world. 
and attract people who know there's a spiritual dynamic and even and haven't been exposed to the truth uh, that are being drawn away to a counterfeit father may they be saved and uh, drawn to you through what we do thank you in jesus name we pray amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more if you would like to know more about audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons please visit www.audioverse.org.